Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, another episode of Digital Artcast coming at you. Um, another interview. Um, Adrian is away today doing his own thing, but I have the absolute pleasure of uh, interviewing someone who I've worked on the show for a while now. Um, his name is Tim, Tim Kaminsky, um, and he's joining me away all the way from uh, Los Angeles at the moment. Um, so, hey Tim, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing awesome, I'm doing awesome. Um, yeah, so I, I've actually wanted to get you on for uh, a while now, but um, of course you've just moved recently. Um, you're out in Los Angeles now working at um, Wonderstorm Studios, is that right? Yep, Wonderstorm. Yeah, I just awesome. uh, moved out here about a month ago from South Carolina, and yeah, I started as an art director, and yes, that's where I am right now. Wow, cool. Is that um, is that your first art director gig, or have you done that before? Or? I've done art direction a few times before, a few different studios. Uh, mainly, I've focused on concept art, though. Okay. Right, cool, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's it's weird though because it seems like uh, one of those jobs, or so I've been told, that if you're working as a director, there's less emphasis on you making art. It's more just you driving the direction of the actual project. Have you found that at Wonderstorm or have you still been creating um, concept art there? Uh, it depends on kind of what part of the pipeline you're in. Uh, at Wonderstorm, I've been creating a ton of art still. I'm also working with outsourcers and things like that. But yeah, it is true you don't create as much artwork. Or maybe maybe right. it's more you would say as many finished pieces. Because I do a lot of drawovers, paintovers, or I'll do concepts oh, okay. that are a lot rougher, kind of to get the right. idea across. Right. Okay. Yeah, cool, cool. Um so yeah, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, but um, when I was finishing off my honors project for university, um, I kind of came across your your stuff at random, um, and I just loved your style, um, which, you know, if people haven't kind of seen it, obviously I'll, I'll leave Tim's links below um, so you can check out his art station. But uh, yeah, just the, the kind of breadth of work that you've done, and uh, you had this kind of conversation earlier about how you love geometric shapes, um, and your kind of blues and teals. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm almost stunned to ask how you came across this style because it is probably one of the more unique styles I've actually seen in the three-ish years I've been kind of studying concept art. But um, do you find that's been informed by your use of your 3D underpaintings or is it something that's evolved from your sketching or? Uh, that's, yeah, uh, it's it's hard for me to pin that down exactly. I have yeah. always, even before I started using 3D in my concept artwork, I did always kind of strive for a more geometric approach to my drawings. So right, I yeah. think they just were more of a natural fit. The only thing, though, yep. going into 3D, I have to always be careful not to make it look a little too stiff. So you kind of have to pull back a little right. bit. But yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. It is, it is interesting that a lot of people note the color in my work being a, a kind of prominent because... Oh, yeah. As an artist, I avoided using color in my work for years. Like I, oh, wow. Uh, let's see, I was probably twenty, twenty-five or so before I even really started yep. painting with color. I mean, I used it a little bit wow. younger, and just painting on uh, cardboard and stuff like that, and coloring books. Right. But when I started kind of studying art more seriously, for some reason I just ended up going with 
graphite and charcoal and just didn't do any color work at all and didn't really do any painting either. Yeah, it's, it's hard to, I mean, I, I feel that as well sometimes when you're doing pieces and you do the line work and you almost don't want to add the color because you feel it'll take away from, especially if you have such, because you have such strong line work and you feel that that's, like your sketching part is enough, you don't want to color it, it almost takes away from the, the solid black and white line you've kind of laid out. Um, so yeah, I can totally relate, but yeah, I think like, colors as other things in, in learning art, like perspective, anatomy, you know, composition, color is its own uh, thing to tackle, thing kind of hurdle, uh, thing to overcome. It's, it, it is, it takes a lot to understand how it works well together with other colors and how um, lights and darks, tones can, can complement pictures and, yeah, and like you said, it's weird because your your pieces are so colourful, it's almost impossible to think of you not using colour. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny that I just, I, I, I can be, I'll be honest, I was afraid of kind of just going into that because it's there was so much I didn't understand about it. And like I wasn't yeah. just doing line work, I was, my work at that point was focused more on like hyper-realistic graphite drawings or charcoal drawings. Yeah, I can kind of see, even at the bottom of your art station, the, the kind of Inktober stuff you were doing, or before that, the, the sketches you were doing that were pure black and white, same with the thumbnails. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's interesting. So, so what was the catalyst that made you move to 3D? I noticed that the first thing that is, I can see that's colouring your, your art station is some of the 3D props you'd done, the golem, the, the potions desk, uh, the Star Wars bedroom. Was was 3d what helped you move into color or was it something else no no that was this the portfolio on my art station is isn't really chronological in that sense right. that, that was, the yeah. october is almost actually more hearkening back to my just using black and white stuff uh the catalyst let's see i'm trying to remember i think it was was it for a particular project or something or? yeah i think what it was was I was mainly focusing in traditional materials for a long time and back back when I'm doing all this charcoal and graphite stuff like if you tried running Photoshop on a computer and you're trying to paint on it it was just it was ridiculous you'd be using a mouse I remember if you had a canvas the canvas size had to be really tiny because I remember people oh, right. working on computers and these were like better computers at that point and like painting on digitally and stuff like that <laughs> and they just drag the mouse across or fill it and just like walk away or have to save it and walk away for like half an hour to wait for the file to save oh, it was right, just okay. like a lot of very uh it didn't look like a fun time <laughs> using photoshop right to paint or just painting yeah. digitally at that point but i think it was just i didn't i think i was just maybe afraid of mixing colors and stuff like that and i didn't really hadn't studied it at all it was just a very uh, right. looming thing to learn that i just was afraid of learning because there's just so much to take on yeah i mean i know I've, i had this conversation with my friend earlier today because um i'm trying my hardest to kind of move into map because um i know there is work in that field and like i said i think we talked about this earlier how i was trying to use that as you know, that can hopefully pay the bills um, and give me some experience as a map painter and then I can also build illustration underneath that. Um, but yeah, it's weird to think how these processes come along and how you learn these things. And I'm wondering even with colour, is is that, I don't know if you would have used James Gurney, but was he an influence at all? Have you even, have you looked at some of his books on light and colour? Because I know 
most people I know who study colour and especially light and paintings, James Gurney's books are like the Bibles for that kind of stuff. Was it similar with you or was it a different process to learn? Or? I, I did read his books and he even actually came to the school I was attending, uh, SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design. Yeah. It was funny because I was walking cool. down the street and I see this guy set up with his little floppy hat on. He's got his easel and everything. And I think his wife was there as well. And I was like, who's this guy? He's just sitting out here painting. And I walked past and I was like, oh, wow, he's really good. And I didn't, I didn't recognize him at all. And then later that evening, someone was like, oh, hey, you should uh, come to this James Gurney thing. Or, or I think I was planning on going to it anyways, but I just never really saw his face that much. And I go right, to the presentation yeah. and out comes that guy. And then he even shows pictures of the things he was painting. And I was like, Oh my gosh! Oh, I'm just like just <laughs> kicking myself so hard for not like stopping it, at least saying hello and good work or something like that. Because yeah, his stuff is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I think. Oh, he's, yeah. he's go ahead. No, I was just going to say his understanding of of light and color. I mean, obviously he wrote the book on it, but like when you look at some of his plein air stuff, it, it just speaks volumes about his understanding about how light works. Yeah. Uh, and how color mixes. So yeah. Yeah, I. I his book definitely helped me. I don't think it was really like the the main catalyst necessarily. Right. But yeah. I would I would probably say digital painting and Photoshop was kind of like the main catalyst for that. Yeah, so I mean you I take it I mean you said you went to school for it, but were you were a lot of the things you were learning concept wise, was that more self taught or did you have a lot of instruction at school or uh it was always I've always been doing all the classes I always took were focused on illustration and I always wanted right, yeah. to do it digitally, but almost all mm -hmm. my professors always, at least in undergrad, they would just push back on that so hard. They didn't want me to use uh, computers at all. They didn't want me, they wanted me to do everything <sighs> traditionally. And it was just like this constant yeah. struggle and fight with my professor just to be like, I want to do digital. And oh, sucks, yeah, it, it's fine. I think it probably actually helped me because it just, fueled the fire i was just like oh, i'm gonna use it anyways type thing <laughs> even though i was like no, a mouse to paint with and things like that so. oh god yeah no it was the same with uh with our, our university because i just finished my honors degree and um yeah like a lot of universities are very out of touch with how the industry works and um don't get me wrong i think having a strong illustration base and i think obviously starting a traditional media is very important um, but yeah, if you want to work in the job you're working in, you know yourself, you need to, if you're not using uh, some, it doesn't have to be Photoshop, it could be Procreate, it could be anything, it could, yeah. be, it could be a Sketchbook Pro or something, but like, you know, the, you need to take that digital leap because that's the way everything is processed now is through computers. So um, yeah, it's almost hindering your students if you're not encouraging some form of that um, in, in your class. So um, so you were sneaking off at night, like <laughs> on Photoshop drawing stuff, and then not showing anybody, <laughs> keeping it all oh, hidden actually, from your your lecturers. I would still then. show it. <laughs> <laughs> Good yeah, for you. I would, Good. I would still I do my main projects digitally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and be like, hey, look what I've done. Looks awesome, right? It's yeah, digital. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I can understand that because yeah, there there is a whole school of thought of your foundation needs to be as strong as it can be, which I, I totally agree with. I mean, that's one of the things I would say um, I lack is a strong foundation in the fundamentals, like perspective, like line drawing, anatomy, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, there's there's definitely a, a need for that stuff to be as, as solid as it can be. But, um, 
there's no means that you can't use stuff to help that, like Photobash and like TV. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, digital isn't really the reason that you might not be, but maybe uh, fundamentals are focused on. I think it's just digital does leave open all those awesome things you can do, like using 3D and things like that. But yeah, you should still have fundamentals done, but you can still do the, your fundamentals digitally. So because I, I've, I haven't even done that many paintings in the actuality. I think maybe five. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was going to say because your your art station is one of the most complex and full I've ever seen. Like it's it's absolutely littered with with paintings and sketches and um and some of the guys I've seen on the on the pro side um you know maybe have ten pieces in total. Um, but again, maybe they're just showing the best stuff. But um yeah, yours is yours is rich with content, which I love because it it it, it shows your your range and the stuff you can work on. Um, because yeah, not everything you do is is um what I would call stylized or or you know um I say the word is cartoony, but that's probably a, not a great way to explain it. But yeah, it has that bright color, large shapes. Yeah, really strong um, silhouettes and uh, very colorful and yeah, yeah, stylized. It is it is yeah, cartoony yeah. as well. I think that's more probably the uh, people who yeah probably the reason you're working on a, a cartoon <laughs> series at the moment. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, because I know a lot of people were saying on your Facebook and stuff like that when you were sharing the Dragon Prince stuff, they were like, "Oh, yeah, that seems like a hundred percent your style," and I can see why you wanted to work there because, yeah, as very reminiscent of the stuff you draw, or the the style you draw, and um, yeah, I, I know obviously the project uh, drew you because of you know the the director was obviously involved in Avatar, the Last Airbender. Yeah. And, you know the guys at the studio were super talented, um, but it did seem like it was fitting what you were making at the time. You know the pro- the stuff you were working on. It did seem to be along those lines. Yeah, that was actually it. They actually found me, and because I think they like my well, they like my portfolio and my style matched as well, and so then it was right. kind of like we uh, just chatted back and forth from there. So. Oh, yeah. nice! And was that a, a a kind of scary prospect of moving to LA and working there? Was that something you had to kind of think over a while, or were you just kind of like, no, nah, like I need to go? Uh, and at first, sit. I was just like, no, I don't want to move at all because I had a lot of preconceived notions about what LA was. So I was just like, and, and, oh, okay. and you know, yeah. I was I was doing my own thing. I was uh, I've been doing freelance. Yeah. I was working for a number of studios at the time already. And it was busy right. I was thinking about considering expanding out and creating a sort of a studio just to do concept art which i probably will still do that at some point in my career yeah but, yeah be interesting uh, yeah so i was doing all that and i was I was working like crazy and then they contacted me out of the blue and i was like oh and at first i didn't really i didn't consider it too much just because the moving prospect yeah of course but then i started um, and well, I was going to say as well because you have a girlfriend as well, so that would probably mean that she would be involved in that process as well yeah, to move was, with that was you. Part so of it too, you know, I talked to her about moving, but she was she was more excited off the, to start with first because she actually grew up originally in LA until she was around nine oh, wow. or so, and then moved to South Carolina cool. with her family. So it was more like yeah, returning to LA awesome. for her in a way. Ah, okay, right, yeah. No, that I mean, 
that kind of make it a lot easier I'd imagine on you because that maybe is you know a worry that you would have if, if you have a partner and you're having to move because then you're not just uprooting your life you're kind of uprooting somebody else's but then if she was on board already then it almost helped you straight away make a better decision you're like, oh well you know it's going to be less hassle so sure let's do it um so how has la been since you've been working there i think you found it um have your preconceived notions of it being the same that you thought they'd be or has it oh, been better well, so basically what happened was they talked to me and i talked to some of the people at studio like uh, uh it was mainly i think justin richmond robert cogburn and a few others and we and we just really hit it off like every every uh, phone interview or conversation was 45 minutes to an hour long just kind of having a conversation excitedly passionately about games nice. art and shows and story and whatnot <laughs> so so it's kind wow, of those cool. things where i was just like yeah this this feels like a natural fit to start already and then you know after we talked a while and uh they invited me out to la and i i brought megan as well uh, my girlfriend and right. we we just had a fantastic time even though we had ton of issues with our luggage <laughs> a separate story but even with that we had a God. fantastic time everyone at wonderstorm welcomed me just like amazingly it was i i've never had such amazing interviews it just felt like a a big group of friends and i remember coming home oh, wow to uh, charleston south carolina where i was living at the time and just being like i missed them <laughs> so I, I at that point like it was less of like contact. It was me now. I was like so excited to be part of the team and just waiting to hear back from them. And they got back to me right away too. So it was didn't have to wait that long. <laughs> yeah, but in the end, our experience I mean, in LA was also fantastic. We went and just explored the city. Uh, we went to what's it? Kat Von D's tattoo shop. Was it called uh, High Voltage? Yeah. LA LA Inc. Inc. Oh is no, she's a question. Yeah, I don't know if it's. Uh, yeah, but I don't. Know if it, yeah, I can't remember what the actual shop's called. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But anyways, we went there. And did you get? Did you, I didn't get a tattoo, but Megan did. did, did, did and tattoo artist oh, yeah, Adrian, he was super nice. Uh, and he, he he was gonna charge for like a smaller tattoo. Well, he did charge for a smaller tattoo, but gave her like the bigger size that she had wanted because we showed up super late. But yeah, it was so oh, it was cool. an amazing experience. Everyone was really nice. Uh, outside the studio and inside the studio so it was yeah all my preconceived notions of i don't know i guess i was just thinking of earthquakes or something i don't know i had this you know whatever whatever i yeah, saw or whatever yeah, no. when i was younger i think i grew up in the 90s seeing a lot of stuff yeah. happening in la that didn't look too fun yeah i could imagine no um, I was going to say just quickly as well, which might sound funny, but did you have the conversation with the tattoo artist that you were also? Oh an yeah, artist? I did. Uh, um, yeah, I was talking. You know, after a while, just sitting there waiting and stuff, I was talking to him. He was really nice. Just, I think Mag Megan had passed out at this point or just falling asleep while she tattooed, <laughs> but I was talking to them the whole time, and we ended up adding yeah. each other on Instagram or whatever like that, or talking to each other on Instagram for a while after. Still, so he was oh, a really cool. nice guy. And yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's yeah, no, it's always interesting because um, my tattoo artist at the, at the moment, uh, Kyle, like he um, was always kind of interested in, in what I was doing because obviously the first conversation we had was about art, and I said, oh yeah, I'm studying to do art, and I'm doing this at university, and I want to work in this job, and he was like, oh shit, you know, I'm 
because he was in uh, a kind of punk metal band um, back in the day and he decided to turn art into a career and he became a, a tattoo artist and his illustrations are really super awesome as well and um, yeah it's always interesting when you, you're getting tattooed because tattoo artists will commonly work on people who aren't artists um, that want tattoos so it's, it's always interesting I think for them when they meet people who are also artists because then yeah, it's, it's, it's a conversation you can have that's out, out with the normal. Um, yeah, for stuff, sure. So. I, I would imagine most of their clients yeah. are probably not artists, and it's more rare to get artists, but maybe not. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, no, no, it's definitely not, not, not artists a lot yeah, of the time. So, yeah. But yeah, you could tell. I could tell when he was working on the tattoo yeah. that, I don't know, when you watch an artist paint and draw, sometimes they certain facial expressions that they make, you could tell they're just really focused and passionate <laughs> and just like in the zone almost. I know I do it when I'll be drawing sometimes. I'll just like curve my lip a little bit or something. And I can just tell that he was really focused on it. I was like, yeah, you can tell he's really good at this. And I can imagine the thousands and thousands yeah. of tattoos. The most, yeah, the most hilarious things are always when you watch people on Twitch painting and they do the whole thing where they turn their head constantly. You know, their head's like almost horizontal. Oh, yeah, and they yeah. try to figure out like line work. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, happens so much. It, always funny to watch um, and then you comment obviously and people are like am I doing that oh shit so um, yeah so you're working on Dragon Prince um, and that's due out in September on Netflix um, so what was kind of your build up to moving out to Wonderstorm what had been your previous kind of things you've been working on I know obviously Clash Royale had had been doing some stuff you had done some card art um was it a mixed bag of things or have you always kind of worked in illustration uh, um, even though i had studied illustration as my main focus i had always illustration was just that was the path i wanted to use to do concept art because i wanted yep. i wanted my concept art to be uh, really crafted and i guess generated completely from my mind, I didn't want to do too much photo bashing and things like that. And if I did do photo bashing, I'd use it limitedly in clouds and things like that. Uh, but, right, okay. Oh, yeah. I sort of went off topic. Oh, what I was, oh, I was, so anyways, what I was going to say is most of the work I was doing was concept art. Uh, a lot of it sort of went either way from video games to animation, which I guess would be kind of viz dev with the Clash Royale stuff I was doing yep. background for. Yeah animations and that was a blast i loved working on those i did a, a few different uh, projects with them and the last one i actually worked with another artist that has a similar style to me uh his name is cg or well surreal i forget his last name now i'll have to pull it up oh we can probably have links okay. right <laughs> yeah yeah of course yeah, yeah. show notes <laughs> <laughs> we'll put some show notes in there for because i feel bad for getting people's names <laughs> Yeah, right. but yeah. Anyway, um, so I mean, yeah. So you were doing concept art earlier on, and then did you feel that um, they were going to could testing grounds for the the Wonderstorm stuff, or have you kind of worked at that level from university, or was your first job like really hard, and then you kind of learned a lot on it, or you know, I mean, kind of take us back to past university, uh, like how yeah. you kind of started. Where was your uh, first kind of kicking off point? Going off the Wonderstorm was it harder, or what kind of work was I doing before then? It was pretty much all over the place with a strange focus, I guess you could mm. say it was, I have like mm. tons of 3d work and I do work in unity, which is uh, an engine used for making games. And I've even built 
a number of my own games. They're not released or finished necessarily, but they, they've all been started. And I had a game called Shattered that I was working on for a number, actually for, I think it was six months I worked on it. And uh, some personal stuff happened. I stopped working on it. And the uh, person I was working with also moved away, so we couldn't work on it as well. But anyways, that was a 2D pixel art project that I was doing in Unity. And my cool. friend Garrett Brown was doing all the programming. And we were working together on game design. And I was doing all the art. And some artists were helping little bits here with animation, things like that for the character. But that was, I think that's kind of where I got the broadest focus or the broadest amount of skills as an artist because I was doing pixel art. I was thinking about animation. I was thinking about effects. I was thinking about gameplay. I was thinking about story. Like the whole thing I had to be thinking about it all the time. So it was kind of like an art direction role, yeah. but also doing the implementation in Unity. So I was learning the entire pipeline, though it was 2D. And uh, around at the time, I was working at uh, Kiz Studios, which they do mobile games. And I don't know if they're still, they shut down as, well, they had a massive layoff is why I don't work there. <laughs> or what, what happened oh, okay. years ago. But anyways, I was working there and uh, it just wasn't that challenging of a studio. I just felt like I would always didn't have that much of a challenge while I was working there. So I wanted to do some side projects. So that's how I started the side project shattered. Right. And that kind of got me in the idea of mm -hmm. just making games. And I'd always wanted to make games since I was younger, but that was the first time that I really took a step towards making games and found out how possible it was. And that just got me super passionate about just wanting to make games, wanting to do the entire pipeline, the whole process. And uh, from there, my father passed away, and that's that's kind of the catalyst of why I stopped working on it. Um, and oh, well, yeah. then my friend, that Garrett Brown, he moved away, so we couldn't really work on it either. And a lot of stuff happened then, and that was just yeah. kind of uh, reorganizing my life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, yeah, I could imagine it. Then yeah. obviously, condolences for your passing. You know, if you're father it can't be easy but yeah it, it's one of those things it's always a life-changing moment and um yeah i've had people friends of mine who've faced similar problems and it's 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 never easy but um you try to make you know your life move forward in a positive way and yeah, remember sure. the good I, things and that's kind of the, um, the way i look at it is my father lives on through me so hopefully i can take the good things that he was and pass those along to the next generation of whoever people who share it whatever of course, yeah uh, and uh, yeah. With the thing of Shattered, I think after I was working on that and kind of my new step was sort of I wanted to give back to the community that I had sort of, uh, you know, I'd, I've always followed tutorials and consumed and consumed all these tutorials and references and everything out there of how to draw and how to paint and yep. YouTube and whatnot. And I just wanted to kind of give back because I felt like I, I knew enough stuff to sort of help other people out as well. So that's why I started doing Twitch and YouTube streaming and tutorials and things like that. And I, I love doing that stuff. And I wish I had more time to focus on it right now and do some more of it. Yeah, it's always hard when you want to make those things. Because um, I think, yeah, the 
someone always said the there was a saying someone said i forget the context or where it was but um they say that the idea is where you take the elevator up your job is to yeah, send yeah. it back down uh, or like that um, forward type idea i guess is yes. the other concept pretty much because um i think one of the first talks that really struck me was uh, a couple of years back when i first met titus lunter and um he had a whole talk on sharing information and it's very important because it then creates a system where people can learn rapidly, where people can get in the industry, people can improve quickly. Um, and it also helps you as an artist because teaching um, reveals so much about you as a person, how you learn as well and how you teach and how you interact with other people. So it's always a good tool for you as an artist to teach people because it, it does help you, um, help you not even just as an artist but obviously to to just be a, a better human being sometimes so yeah and then with art direction obviously you are then um uh instructing people and helping them grow as well in their roles so um teaching obviously is, is, is kind of part of art direction it's not just you know managing people it's also um helping them grow uh, within the studio so i would take it if you found out within doing art direction it's a good opportunity for you to help people um, who are working oh, for yeah, you? Oh yeah, that was actually with? when I was uh, talking into talks of Wonderstorm to be the art director there, uh, or be an art director there. Uh, mm -hmm. That was one thing I was thinking about. And actually, a huge straw is this to go and grow with a team and teach and learn, be a mentor, and also just yeah, it, that's super appealing to me because I'd always wanted to teach as well. Uh, that was the reason I attended SCAD yeah. to get my master's was to put myself in a position where I could teach at a professional or at like universities and stuff if down the road I wanted to do that. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah. That's interesting as well because uh, I mean, I just finished my, my what's well, not a BA, it's a BSc, it's, a, it's actually a science degree. It's because um, it's there's so much computer work involved with 3D. So um, I actually got the opportunity to go study a master's at the Glasgow School of Art um, and I did turn it down um, and, well initially I wanted to go but then I ended up referring it because I thought how can the masters help me you know how would that benefit me but have, have you found um, that it has helped in your journey as an artist or are you quite happy you went and done uh, your master's degree? I, or? Yeah for sure I'm really happy I did because if I think about it, that's so much life experience I wouldn't have experienced or it would have been different. So in that regards, for sure. Uh, but also, wow. it's very expensive. So in that regards, not so much. But uh, I, I, still, uh, yeah. I don't regret it yeah. because I, I met a lot of great people. I learned a lot, even though I sort of think a lot of it was more, not necessarily self-taught, but most of my... I'll say there was like one one or two professors there that taught almost everything that I know from them or just the rest was from other students or just kind of seeking out stuff and just pushing myself as hard as I could and being really passionate about it. Yeah. Was uh was your master's in illustration or yeah, art was, it was an art based a, master's, master's, master's in illustration. So which I undergrad in illustration. I kind of oh, I wow. guess in my mind I was like, oh, so if you get a master's it should just be added on top of what you already have. But I later learned that a lot of people just do completely different master's programs, which in hindsight makes sense. But for me, I really wanted to keep pushing that side of things. 
even though later I ended up shifting to 3D and yeah, I think game that's... design and whatnot more so. But that was always part of the problem. Right. Yeah, because the, the masters I was looking at at the time was um, virtual reality and serious gaming. So it was actually using games as a way to help people with um, learning disabilities or some form of that. Um, like some games that would be tailored towards people with autism or some kind of um, uh, inherent learning difficulty, um, dyslexia, some stuff like that. So it was taking those tools, those those game tools or those VR tools and, and finding a way for that to help people in those situations. So although it seemed like a really interesting master's, um, it wasn't specifically what I was wanting to study. So I think that's more why I wasn't 100% wanting to do it. Um, but yeah, if you got to study illustration, then that would have been a great opportunity for you to, like you say, reinforce that yeah. skill. Um, I'm wondering if they do. Really, <laughs> I just wanted, like, my main here. thing was like, I want more fundamentals. I want, you know, I want to just be really good at drawing was kind of, that was the other reason I was like, okay, I'll go to master's and just continue illustration so I can just get even better at drawing. Even though while I was there, I ended up kind of shifting into 3D. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think 3D almost is a, a given now with modern day uh, pipelines. I mean, it does help in terms of processing speed. I think it's almost hindering yourself if you if you can't incorporate it into your, into your work. I think it does help on multiple levels. Um, and I think speed is one of them. Um, but I think the good thing about your art is that you use it just enough. Um, it doesn't feel like you're you're leaning on it too much, if that makes sense. Like there's enough of the process of 3D in there that you can feel the painting out once you've you've blocked in the the initial shapes. Um, and with your skills in painting and illustration, you can then take them to to finish. And it doesn't feel like you know, like a lot of people who use 3D basically as a crux to get away with not bothering about perspective or, or scale or composition. It's it's almost like they, they have 3D and Photobash yeah. and they don't need to learn anything. I think that's what I was kind of airing about earlier is that people rely on those tools almost too much now and don't pay enough attention to, like you yeah, said, the fundamentals of drawing. Yeah, I think important to have really strong fundamentals, even if you are using a lot of 3D, 2D or whatever, or Photobashing. Uh, I think yeah. 3D... It's definitely the draw is like, oh hey you can help with perspective and I think that was one of my one of my things early on I was just like I can do perspective but it just takes a long time <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it's good to know perspective <laughs> but still and be aware of it and still be able to draw without it because you can't always have 3D and sometimes you have to doodle on napkins and things like that uh, but yeah okay. definitely I mean that no, I was going to say that I remember meeting an art director a few years back when I was talking to him about working at a studio when he handed me a notebook or a sketchbook that was literally the size of my hand um, and every page was just filled with absolute gold because his illustration, he was actually a comic book artist before he had moved into, into games and, um, and cinematics and yeah, like I said, if, you, if someone has that strong illustration background, you can tell straight away um, how strong their ideas can be, especially when you've got that because um, you have a million ideas in your head, but illustrating them on paper and making them come alive is hard because then the technical skill gets in the way. But if your illustration is strong, then there's less barriers exactly, for those yeah. um, ideas to flow. I, I still I still need to yeah. push my fundamentals because um, 
like I still have barriers in certain places and it would be nice to, I don't know if anyone ever achieves like Zen drawing, but it'd be nice to do some of those. Oh God. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever going to be, you know, happy, especially with artists. It's always an evolving process. And, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to actually get offered, um, a kind of mentorship with an illustrator, um, at the moment who works, within uh quite big companies and the stuff he was getting me to do or it's kind of still getting to me me to do uh the fundamental stuff it, it is frustrating because you're trying to replicate things one-to-one um and it, it is hard because you've not trained that muscle enough so things like um head studies and hands excuse me you're trying to replicate them one-to-one and, and because you lack that um the eye, the almost the, the observational skill. Um, you're drawn what you think you see, but you're not really. You're drawn what your mind thinks it sees. So it's it's almost a transformation from the paper you're looking at to your head back down at your hand. Um, and I think that's something that takes a long time is that observational skill is being able to replicate things one for one. Um, yeah, because it, it's, it's an invaluable skill. You need to be able to, I mean, I, the one-to-one thing sometimes people can agree or disagree that um, if you're doing like uh there was a whole talk i listened to on jake parker's podcast the point perspective and he was saying that um actually one of the guys lee who was talking was saying that if you're doing a master study you need to make sure that the two look identical like if you can tell the difference between them then you've kind of failed but then jake was almost like well i don't know if like replicating something one for one is or should be the goal. Like, I think if you get as close as you feel you can, um, you know, because it takes obviously practice, you shouldn't be like killing yourself if, you know, like a tree's yeah. out of place or the colour's yeah, wrong in one of the rocks. Not, you know what I, I mean? Would, like it's, I would disagree yeah. with saying, someone saying that's a fail if you didn't get it perfect or make it look identical because, I, unless unless that was your only goal to replicate a painting, but I, I think a master study, the goal is to learn. So I feel like even if you did if out of it and you learned like a little bit, you still win. I would say, yeah, master studies for sure. That's just, yeah. That's yeah. All I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't know. I think, I don't know if I ever showed you this, but on March station, I done a, a kind of 30 day challenge where, um, I done a hearthstone card study, like an illustration study every day for like a month. Um, so I took a, a painting from one of the Hearthstone cards and I tried to replicate it one for one and I managed to pump out, I think, 30 paintings. Um, and yeah, I, I felt they were helping me in terms of learning the overall process and, and seeing how colours work together and how light art could inform different shapes. Um, but I kind of gave up after a month because I think I made it so intense Um it was almost a, a burnout waiting to happen because, yeah, when I was trying to learn certain things, I was always in the back of my mind that, oh, shit, I need to do a, a three-hour study of a Hearthstone card today, make sure it's out by tonight. Because, um, yeah, I was trying to get them out like yeah, every single day. daily challenges um, are always quite and difficult. Yeah, was... uh, I remember like doing 3D. I could do 3D before, or I've been able to do 3D for quite a while, but I wasn't able to do 3D that was uh, game ready 3D. So it's like textured and UV and all that stuff. All oh, right. So yeah. I started. Uh, yeah. I don't know. If I some other people said they had also started, but never really caught up. Uh, the 3D December. 
So it was a 3D model every day. <laughs> and I, I think I did, oh, yeah. I, did. Yeah. I did quite a few days. Let's see what I got here. I think I made it to, what was it, maybe 24. I think I did 24 days. Oh, no, I did 25, 25 days. But that was right, okay. that was a great great learning experience, and that was I was doing that after like I'd get out of work, and I would I think I streamed most of them. Yeah, I can see them on your portfolio. But then I think that's I mean I've never had Jake on, and my my goal is to have him on this year before October hits again. But he talked about October was built, and the reason he started it was because he wanted people to be doing something every day, and that was the idea is that you. The, the October is to make you draw every single day because he feels that most professional artists aren't really doing that. You know, they'll draw once or twice a week or students will draw once or twice a week and think it's enough. But he's like, even if it's for half an hour, you need to be making sure that every single day you're doing something, like some form of sketching or drawing or painting or modeling or, you know, the, the one daily task that makes sure that you're filling that creative box. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of it, you know, going two or three days without doing anything, especially at the weekend. Um, yeah, that's that's the hard bit, I think, right? Is keeping it consistent. That's that's the challenge. That's, you yeah, feel that's like definitely well, a challenge or? as like a professional artist. And, and just as an artist in general, you should be doing art every day, all the time, for sure. Uh, I, I do find that challenging. Mm. And I've done Inktobers yeah. and 3 Decembers and all that stuff. And it's it's great for like that month that you do it and everything like that. But the problem is, yeah, you don't continue doing it, which I I have a burst <laughs> where I can, you know, I'll paint every day, draw every day. But I think it's just I'm working every day doing art all day long. So a lot of times I'll come home and just, you know, not do any art for a little bit. <laughs> but I, I do feel like I'm being creatively yeah, fulfilled yeah. at work, though. So... Yeah, I was going to say because obviously your job is art based and creative based, so it's different for you because then you're spending eight hours a day working like that, so you're filling that niche. But I think it's almost it probably is more for students. But then, yeah, I do feel there is students I've known who want to be illustrators or want yeah. to be concept artists, and they aren't drawn every day um, or do you know the bare minimum and you know feel like oh that's enough that will get me work, but. You and I know the reality is that yeah, you know well, you need to be working your butt off. I'm by no sure way that, saying that um, I, I should and, not be doing work every day when I come home and everything because I should be. No, <laughs> but like right now, I think I'm just kind of no, taking of course it easy not. because yeah, of yeah, the move yeah. and everything like that. Even though I should be <laughs> unpacked and stuff, I, I'm still not. Of course. But. Yeah. 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 But then you're doing the eight hours a day. You're working in the studio from you know from whenever to whenever. So you are doing something creative like you said if it's if it's not initially finished pieces you are doing paint overs or sketches or or stuff like that so you are doing enough during the day that when you come home at night you can rest um but yeah there is there is students i know who will come home or came home from university for my class would you know jump on xbox yeah, I remember and playstation I and that too like i remember um, my professors yeah. being like oh get a can, you know draw every day and draw all the time and, and i i Tried to, but a lot of days I would I'd miss it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also making it fun as well because you can definitely tell with the pieces you've done in your art station that you can always tell you're having fun. It's always something you want to create. 
and worlds that you envisioned. Um, the, the forgotten future stuff is the kind of whole reason I was doing part of my stuff as well as, you know, it was, that was the stuff that was inspiring me. And you could tell from start to finish, it was, um, it was something yeah. you had a kind of passion sure. to draw or something to create. And yeah, yeah I think once you leave uni, like, you have that. It's so. about drawing every day, painting every day. It does. The more you paint, the more you draw, the, the more you're breaking down those barriers, those limitations, and the more you're opening up your mind and you're becoming more passionate about your work. And it, it feeds the fires and makes you want to paint and draw and create more too. So yep. it's one of those things that's just kind of hard to get past the, yeah. Yeah, the lazy part of your mind or whatever sometimes <laughs> the procrastination yeah definitely i think it's yeah 100 i think also it's it's part of that way that when you learn initially you're limited because the fundamentals lack so if, if you're drawing something your perspective's off or your scale or your anatomy's really shit then it does almost put you off because you're like ah, oh, i'm terrible i don't want to do it but you know if you get past the boring part, I say boring part, the, the essential part, but people can find it dry where you're learning base anatomy, you're learning perspective, you're learning um, line work and shading, you know, once that barrier has passed, then sure, you can have fun with it, but the initial step yeah, it, can it be can. There's also frustrating for a lot of people. The, um, there's sort of like the artist eye where you can recognize issues and then there's the ability to draw that, like the hand-eye coordination, the memory and the shapes, knowledge and everything like that. And when those two aren't aligned, it's very frustrating. Like if your if your eye bypasses your ability, <laughs> it can be very frustrating because you see you can see all your errors. You just have to make oh, God, sure yeah. to, be like, to understand that's part of the process. Like you're not going to draw things perfect the first time. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing is um, another again Jay Parker again, but he done the whole talk about finish not perfect and how a thousand finished pieces are better than three pieces you finished that were super, you know, on the money or were rendered to a high standard. He's like, it's about the volume of work. It's the, it is, in that case, especially when you're first learning, it is quantity over quality. Like you want to be pumping out multiple iterations of stuff and making sure that you're putting the hours in before. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you focus on detail. A lot that of makes sense. artists um, get, they fall especially into the trap I, of yeah, just wanting to make finished work. And that's really frustrating too, because you're expecting to make finished work when you don't have your fundamentals down. But it's also like you're saying, it's kind of dry to do fundamentals sometimes, or some people can consider that. And you just want you're like, oh, I want these finished pieces. I want that, but that's that's not what's important. It's the fundamentals that's important. Yeah, definitely. And I was just going to kind of kind of close out with this, but. Um, I had a conversation with someone recently at an event where we talked about art station in general and um, how when you open it um, or somebody had said, oh, you know, when you open art station every time, there's so many beautiful paintings. Uh, but one of my friends said, oh, yeah, there are so many beautiful paintings, but you feel the design aspect of it is going down. You know, there's beautiful landscapes and so many cool colours, but the functional forms and the practical stuff has been left behind. You know, there's no... There's no turnarounds, there's no ex extrapolating kind of parts that are, are showing how these things move and function. Um, what do you feel like is lacking in the community just now? Or what do you feel if you looked at a student's portfolio? Are, are there common things you see that people lack? Is it is it too much emphasis on pretty pictures? Uh, it's not necessarily something that's lacking. It's something that I see too much of. 
which is uh, I see a lot of fan art in portfolios, and it fan art is really good for I guess seeing that someone can replicate a style, and but if it's a character artist and almost all their work is fan art, I or a character designer, I don't really I don't see any character designs. They're just replicating someone else's character designs. Right. Yeah. So it it is good for people to get attention to their portfolios using that, but I don't think it's the best way to get a job. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Because yeah. I was going to say... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say because obviously I've seen a couple of um, uh, Breath of the Wild stuff that you had done. Um, I think it was the kind of first stuff I noticed, but then again, that's not your whole portfolio. That was just, you know, one or two pieces because you obviously you love Zelda, so you were paying tribute to the game. Um, yeah, I take it that- I'm not saying it's a problem to pay tribute at all. That's, I mean, fan art is super fun to do too, and it's it's, yeah. it's fun to share that stuff, to share your passion. Yeah, totally. But then obviously, just don't focus on it. Just don't make sure that your whole portfolio is just that. Yeah, if you're a character designer and your character in your portfolio is all fan art from other character artists, then you're not really showing an art director or a studio what you can do. You're just showing that you can that you're good at uh, your, maybe your fundamentals or something. You're good at creating. Yeah. Replicating stuff exists. back over. Yeah. 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 And again, with design aspects of it, do you feel like, again, there is um, the too much of the pretty picture phase. Do you feel like people need to reinforce functional design stuff? Do you feel that's a problem with an art station or? Yeah, not, I guess. Yeah. I do see a lot of sort of, I guess the other thing I see too much of is just sort of like, uh, uh, just like sexy characters with nonsensical armor and nonsensical design, and they're yeah. or just like sexy characters without a good core design to the character. Like the yeah. the sex appeal is the design of the character. Apparently, it doesn't have anything deeper. There's not any yeah. storytelling there. Someone was telling me the other day that. Um art stations kind of go in the way that it used to be before you know it used to be that cg hub was the thing that mm-hmm. used to be the the place that and that was what the problem with that was getting eventually was that there was so much shiny boob armor um everywhere that it, co- it kind of drowned out the other you know fantastical designs or stuff that was actually interesting to look at um yeah. and I, there, there can be characters that are like appealing sexually but also good character designs <laughs> yeah 100 percent um, and I don't know if that's because obviously you go on the trending pages and I don't know if that speaks to the audience that's consuming it but <laughs> most of the stuff that is trending is uh, is typically female and typically uh, scatly clad um, I mean I know um, even just looking just now I'm browsing and I can see the first five or six rows there's at least seven or eight um, females in armour or, or anatomy studies naked women basically so um, in fact, actually, one of them's uh, a fan art um, for cyberpunk, and yeah, it's it's fuse and, and stuff kind of kind of tell the story of why it's trending. So, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. At the same time, there's there's just copious amounts of amazing concept art on ArtStation as well, and yeah. I feel like uh, ArtStation does a pretty good job of kind of maybe not necessarily monitoring, but sort of having like the picks page in community and sort of focusing, make sure, making sure the focus is on concept art and 
art for games and art for animation just because you can see like at their top page it's it's usually really outstanding artists that are bettering the community totally no i agree and then i mean there is a place for this xcr and you know if that's people's bag then i mean 100 percent like there's there's nothing against it but um you don't want to be an overpowering actual good functional design um and there's, station, there's so. a career for that too you know it just depends like if you're trying to get into the industry for concept art and like portfolios i'm looking at i want to see someone who can create new characters and has you know their process and things like that i love seeing people's process because it usually tells more about the artist and the art than the final picture does yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. you want to see that that flair for creating stuff um, or making those things or, or those interesting designs that you never thought could exist. And um, yeah, like, I mean, I know I just watched a talk not too long ago about um, Anthony Jones was talking about um, portfolios and he kind of passed his portfolio years ago before he got an industry a while back and said to the guy at the time, you know, what am I lacking? And the guy said, well, you know, all your fundamental skills are there. You're drawing and your painting is, is great. Um, what do you want me to kind of tell you and he said well i'm looking for specifically how i get better and he was like well you need to be drawing stuff that like inspires me or inspires other artists and when i look at your portfolio just now it doesn't inspire me um because it was just not bland but it was just the normal character stuff that a lot of other people were doing so then that's why he started doing the con the more fantastical monsters and stuff like that because it was designs that people want to see and you know directors can look at and go oh that would suit the project we're doing that's that's awesome um, you need to kind of show art directors the stuff that they want to see, not that you think they want to see, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think you feel well, the same. I, yeah. I, I would take that and sort of simplify it and say that you should be doing stuff that you're really passionate about, creating content that you're really passionate about, that you really want to show the world. Because, yeah, like you right. said, uh, usually the confusion is artists are like, oh, what... I have to try thinking, I'll try making this painting and make it what they want. But really, you should just make it the best piece of art you can and think about all the aspects that make it a good piece and focus on what you enjoy, what you like, and infuse that passion into creating something that works with the project you're working on or trying to get it to work on or whatever. No, 100%, I agree. Um, there's a guy specifically just now that I, I kind of follow on ArtStation and his name's um, Nicholas Cole. Do you know the guy at all? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of his stuff um, recently, I've seen. I've been super inspired by. I actually got turned on to his work because one of my my friends, Max Berman, was making a game called Sleep Tight, um, and Nicholas done a lot of the the character stuff for that. Um, some of the monster design and the kid design and stuff. And um, and yeah, like his portfolio definitely is one of those I would look at and say, you know, that guy knows how to imagine characters. Um, can really bring those those guys to life and um i think he's also a good example of, of stuff um you kind of should be doing you can tell there's passion behind his drawings oh yeah for sure and like the color and the characters and he has also yeah redesigns for spyro and things like that oh yeah the spyro stuff was awesome as well so um yeah it's it's um yeah definitely awesome awesome portfolio uh, yeah, again uh, i'll probably have link in the, the show notes but yeah yeah nicholas worked on he did a poster like there was this game Hob from Runic Games, which the studio sadly shut down now. But right. uh, Runic had gotten a few different artists to do a poster, and he was one of the three artists. I did one, he did one, and then one of the artists at Runic did one as well. 
Right. Also, I mean, yeah. look at his mustache. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't obviously with the the visual representation. I'll try and put a picture on YouTube just now, but um, I'll link this all in the, the show notes. But yeah, Nicholas is is one of the the portfolios definitely that is stand out as Sean Art Station. You can you can see his stuff a mile away. Um, also, I love the fact that sometimes you can look at some of these stuff and and know it's that artist. Like I have noticed that with um, with your work, if you post something new or there's something that I've seen I've not seen before, but I, I see it again and. Like within, without even looking about who posted that, I'm like, oh, no, that's that's Tim's work. So yeah, it's that's, that's good to hear. That's yeah, yeah. That's, that's good though, because style is like a that that could be another whole hour of podcast. But style is a thing that yeah, you spend most of your life trying to define your own style, and yeah, that's it's almost one of the most difficult things. It's not even a technical skill. It's just making your stuff look like you or the way yeah. you want to look. In I yeah. kind of feel like uh, that. I remember being in school and like that was a very big conversation everyone always was like oh i gotta find my art my style find the style and I, I i wasn't really concerned with it because i was just like i'm just gonna draw <laughs> and I, I feel like if i just draw and paint that'll just come naturally because everyone else is stressing about finding their style and i was like oh yeah everyone's there you're seeking this elusive thing that i think if you seek it you're not gonna find it <laughs> no definitely and i think my biggest problem i've had illustration wise anyways and especially when I started thinking about the industry a couple of years back is that I was almost trying to copy people one for one mm. which is the wrong thing to do because yeah then you're just becoming a carbon copy of somebody else that already has that job so how are you going to get the job but yeah I would look at guys like Titus when I first interviewed them and and uh, really serious painters that a lot of the guys that worked in the division and I'd be like yeah that's what I need to do to get a job and I wasn't making the art I wanted to make and that's almost what hindered me for all those years is because then the imposter complex came in and you compare yourself to those guys who are already at such a high level um yeah it's almost like you're setting yourself up for failure um if you're not making yeah a version of you we're kind of that kind of loops back into what we were talking about earlier where you're focusing on the final piece you're not focusing on learning the uh, fundamentals is yep that that's the big problem is like when you're starting out you want to make a portfolio but you don't have all the skills yet ready to do so yeah but it is good to study other artists i think doing master studies and everything that's great just you know as long as you post and show that you're like oh hey this was inspired by or this is a copy of or like yeah yeah definitely well yeah Um, so that's been an interesting conversation i would say definitely it's 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 uh moved back and forth but um yeah, for those of you though, if you don't know or, or haven't uh, noticed this in the edit, yeah, Tim's computer died <laughs> about ten minutes ago, and uh, we had to restart. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, and it's been, it it's was been, completely uh, my fault because it wasn't plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it was one of those. Yeah. At first, I was like, I could act like the internet. I was like, no, I'm just gonna. Yeah, I I can't that lie. I mean, I can't. No, I mean, I can't lie. <laughs> It was totally my fault. No. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, just one thing I did want to bring up before uh, I head out here for sure is yeah. uh, the uh, the Dragon Prince, which is the show that is being talked about today at Comic-Con and announced. And the trailer was announced as well. And mm-hmm. for everyone who hasn't watched it, you should definitely go watch the Dragon Prince trailer. It's yes. super exciting, intense, like 45-second trailer. And it's going to get you all excited 
And check out the poster I did too. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll link it all below, including the trailer. I'll put that in as well. And um, yeah, it's very. It does give me an Avatar feel. It's almost like the the dark, serious tone, um, which has the mixing of the, the almost anime uh, humor kind of stuff. Um, it makes sense. Yeah, there is a lot of serious tones within the the conflict and action stuff, but then there is comedy moments that break it up in between so um yeah it, it does look super interesting and again we talked about this earlier and i don't know if people have noticed again but if you haven't but yeah it's it's been written and directed by one of the key guys <clears throat> who worked on avatar the last airbender um which for me sold me straight away uh because avatar is i don't know if tim knows this but i have a, a tattoo of ang on my forearm oh you do um <laughs> yeah oh that's but, uh, awesome that's so cool yeah yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, there's a bunch of people that worked on Avatar on it. There's we've got uh, there's also like the directors and stuff. There's yeah, if you go to the website, there's a whole slew of people. It's, yeah, no, uh, it's, that would be a a dream project I think for people who are a fan of Avatar because yeah, that that program shaped my life in so many ways. Um, Korra as well, obviously, but um, yeah, the first obviously was just yeah, I it's it's just a pose of him sitting meditating with his fists together, but his tattoos are all lit up and his eyes are are glowing and stuff, and there's wind symbols behind them. But uh, yeah, it was it was one of the first ones I got Kyle to do actually, and um, yeah, it's one of my, my favorites because uh, Ang's just um, it's pretty awesome. Like as well, we, we, the way Kyle drew him, he's you know he's 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 older state when he's a bit more grown up. Um, and he's got his kind of traditional monk robes on, but yeah, it's uh, one of my more favorite tattoos because yeah, Avatar for me was it was one of the first art books I think I bought as well. Um, oh, really? oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. So just seeing the illustrations of the cities like um, um, Basing Se and stuff like that, and uh, you know, uh, Aang and Appa, and um, yeah, like the whole the whole story that the whole kind of series was going to take a dramatic turn to start with. It wasn't even going to be about Aang as a boy, it was going to be he was going to be a cyborg, and then um, Appa, the flying bison, was actually going to be a dog who was like a companion. Um, and they like they didn't even have the the elements um, like until like the last minute. It was all kind of like within the last two or three months they decided that they should have element powers. Um, oh, really? The same reason they, they yeah the same reason they changed Aang from a droid to a boy because Nickelodeon were like yeah kids aren't going to be able to rate, relate to a cyborg. It needs to be human. Hmm. Um, I'll have to so ask yeah, hearing about that, I didn't, I didn't know all that background about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in the. If you read through the first couple of pages of the art book, it, the one of the directors, I think, is it, is it Brian? Oh um, yeah, Brian, yeah, Brian. Yeah, he talks about, um, or he wrote about the kind of process they went through in designing the characters and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so many people don't get art books and read them. Like there, there's so much knowledge in those things. Um, one of my favorite recently was actually going through the Overwatch art book and um, just ingesting all of that. Oh, they have so, some really good GDC talks too about oh, man. creating the world. I need, I need to get on them. They're just yeah, the dream. Sure. Eventually, is Blizzard. That is my eventual dream um, to be working at Blizzard Games. And uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a long journey, but. Um, God damn man, it'll be fun. But yeah, um, they guys just rock my world. I think they make the some of the best um, games in the world, and some of the most talented people on the planet work there. And um, yeah, there is a yeah. lot of talent there. Yeah, a lot, you definitely should, uh, a lot. Uh, 
going back to uh, Avatar, you should check out some of the voices in the new show, The Dragon Prince. <laughs> oh, right, okay. So there's there's some... There's some... Yeah. Famil- familiar characters, yeah. Um, I loved the... I think one of my favorites was um, Prince Zuko, um, and the guy who played him was the guy who played Rufio and Hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he was one of my, my kind of favorite voice actors at the time, which I loved also in Korra, where he came back to play like uh, one of his descendants um but yeah anyways yeah i can't know i can't, we'll I can't announce anything or anything like that but no, there no, is a bunch fine. of information fine. that was announced from uh right GDC. okay or not gdc yeah. sorry <laughs> comic-con hey, san diego comic-con yeah yeah, yeah yeah no no there's so many of them it's just it's, it's the acronyms it's all the letters isn't it so yeah yeah, yeah I, so go ahead yeah i was gonna say i have a couple a couple of people i know who are um out of san diego just now um selling prints and doing signings and stuff like that some oh, comic book guys some game guys oh awesome so um yeah it's always I, I think it's cool that people still have that side of them where they can work in games and then write comics on the side or do awesome prints and then um jump down to the conventions and and, and you know meet fans and sell some stuff oh, um yeah, for sure i i have never like i've never shown my art or anything or brought my art to any of those uh type wow. of events. Right. Might be a plan for the future. Maybe you could take some of your, your Zelda-inspired stuff and head oh, down to yeah. the... like the little Koroks or something. I do love doing all those Korok paintings. Yeah, yeah. That's always a... That's, again, that's another conversation for another time, but I just listened to a whole hour podcast on um, Jake Parker again when they'd done a whole episode on fan art and um, like what's kind of like crossing the line and, and where does like fan art end and copyright begin and... Um, I know we've had a couple of conversations around the table about um, who is an awesome person, Ross Tran, um, who does some amazing work. Um, but I always wonder how he gets around um, going to the conventions and selling prints of Elsa and Cora uh, and all the other guys. Um, I, I know totally he's doing it in his style and it's his original take on the character. But yeah, I don't know how that area which i think is quite gray comes into effect at, at comic cons obviously he's, he's there at san diego he's doing it so they must be fine with it but yeah i'm always wondering especially because a lot of his, his premises he draws are based on disney licenses so um yeah i always wonder how how he works around that if you know what i mean yeah uh I, it's probably just that you know he's not drawing them in like a negative light so the ips probably don't yeah. really go after him that much and it's not yeah I think think there's a there's a loophole or a kind of grey area where it's it's almost not discussed but yeah it's it's always interesting to think about how that works because I know Disney themselves are are super protective of all their all their properties so um, yeah it's always interesting when people because Ross's whole career has been built around um, well not his entire career obviously it has a lot more going on um, because he's building his own book Nima at the moment um, which is obviously awesome but yeah, his YouTube channel especially kind of focuses usually around um, fan art, um, doing different characters, um, which is awesome. I mean, one of the, the best episodes I think he ever done was when he done the um, Haku and that from Spirited Away. Um, he done a kind of a fan drawing of those, and it was awesome. But yeah, it's again, it's I don't know how he then how he converts that into prints and then sells them at cons. It's it's a uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting. Yeah, I don't um, know too much take. about that either. I know, yeah, I don't know. It, there's I think copyright law is something about 
change of media and style. I don't know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a very really, complex issue. Yeah, and I don't really, I don't blame uh, the company and studios protecting their IPs when they try to stop people doing stuff like that, just because uh, a lot of things I think people forget is if they let one thing slide, then that's almost like uh, they can. What's the floodgates open for the rest of stuff? Yeah. yeah, and then people can use that in court, be like, oh, well, you let this person do this. And lie, so yeah, okay. yeah, so, yeah, totally. No, I can understand that. And if, 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 that idea and the, yeah. the IP. I was going to say as well, you'll see the, the Dragon Prince uh, prints and, and character coffees coming up at conventions. <laughs> you'll see them just lured in. It's funny though you say that because Jake Parker was actually talking about how he made the guys for his latest comic and um, he had noticed he had been to conventions where he'd seen his characters as um, like fan art prints almost. Like people had not directly copied but done their own, own interpretation of his characters and were selling prints of it. And he was kind of like, uh, <laughs> like, like it's such a like. Do I do I kind of talk to them? Do I say something? So yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting take. So yeah, yeah, um, like, yeah. Where, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, and Int- definitely interesting. It's, it's again, we could be another whole hour podcast talking about this, but yeah, interesting. I, anyway, okay. Oh, oh yeah. I was just gonna oh, say, go to like, uh, I don't know. I I think it's flattering when it's not like a. I, yeah, I just think it's flattering when people draw stuff as long as they kind of hearken it back to you or like tag you in it and be like, hey, I was inspired by so and so and did this. Yeah. If yeah. they try to could, use it as their own art and be like, I did this original print, that's a whole yeah. different story. But. Yeah. Jake was uh, was saying something similar. He says, as long as people would call out and say, you, you know, this is heavily inspired by Jake's character or this is exactly inspired by Jake's character, then he's fine with it. He's like, that's fine. But um, he has some people who have posted stuff that. I've said this is my original character, and obviously it's not. So, yeah, um, that's when it starts crossing yeah, into the, that's the danger zone. Really, it hurts. Like I, I, I can't imagine like the artist doing it and not really considering that. Like have some empathy. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I can totally imagine. But um, then on the flip side, when when someone does a painting and they they do credit the original artist or say this was inspired by the artist, that that is the, the opposite feeling, and it's amazing. And it's like I always, when people do that, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> It makes me smile <laughs> so hardcore. It makes my day. So, yeah, get get on the the Dragon Prince inspired stuff then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing a lot of uh, drawings and fan art of the Dragon Prince, and it was it was awesome because we we announced with just that poster, and oh, wow. it was I had just painted the back of the characters. That's all it is, and all the information right. people gleaned from that was amazing. And just people are doing they were turning the characters around and being like, "This is what their faces might look like." And it was. Oh, cool! Awesome to see that. I saw the excitement already. Nice. Poster. I'll let you get on with the rest of your day, Tim. Um, okay. Well, so, yeah. Thanks for having me. For sure. It was yeah, really of course. Talking to you, Gordon, and yeah, I look forward to hearing more of your podcast. I'll have to listen to it now that I've been on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. Okay, guys. Uh, thanks for sticking about. And uh, yeah, check out the the links I'll leave below for Tim's work and everything else, including the Dragon Prince. And um, yeah, um, thanks, Tim, for coming on. And uh, speak to you guys later. Bye.